Hey everybody, C-Note here and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like a tiny house. Impossible, but amazing. Today on the show, we have Steph Lagana with us talking about spiritual business alignment. Uh, it's really kind of code for all of this conversation that we have. Um, we talked for a good hour about everything that she's had going on in her life. She's gone through some serious things, um, being involved with the government and all of this stuff, but she's got a really great head on her shoulders as well as a head, good head in her, in the clouds. And, um, it was a really great, lovely person to speak to. Uh, we had a really wonderful conversation and honestly, that's the best that I can say because it kind of just jumps around and goes to really great places. So, um, before we go and start the show, just letting you know that listener support is activated for the show. That means that if you would like to donate to the show, you can leave as little as 99 cents a month as a donation to the show. If you go to dopamine.life, check out the sponsor this or support this podcast button, and then you can chip, you can choose between 99 cents, 499 or 999 to help support the channel month to month so that we can continue to do this. I can continue to make episodes and uh, give you the best content that I can, because obviously if you're paying for it, I'm going to try to give you the, to go the extra mile. So I really appreciate your support. Even if you're just listening and sharing these episodes, uh, that helps as well. So without further ado, let's kick off the show and start talking to Steph Lagana. Drums, TIAA is on a mission. Why? Because 54% of Black Americans don't have enough savings to retire. So in collaboration with big name artists like Wyclef Jean, TIAA released Paper Right. New music inspiring a new financial future. With 100% of streaming sales going to a nonprofit that teaches students how to invest. Stream Paper Right now and help close the gap. Inspired by the life of the savvy and ambitious Colombian businesswoman Griselda Blanco comes a new Netflix original limited series. Griselda tells the story of a devoted mother who, with her lethal blend of charm and relentless savagery, creates one of the most powerful cartels in history. Witness Sofia Vergara's captivating transformation into the godmother of the underworld. Griselda, now streaming only on Netflix. Listen to the 48 Hours podcast for shocking murder cases and compelling real-life dramas from one of television's most watched true crime shows. Go behind the scenes of each episode with award-winning CBS News correspondents and producers in Postmortem, a weekly deep dive. Listen to 48 Hours wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, welcome to the show, Stephanie Lagana. Thank you. <laughs> welcome. Uh, excited to have you on. Uh, this is one I've been looking forward to for quite a while. Um, so tell me a little bit, or tell the audience rather, uh, a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do, and if uh, that pertains to mental health in any kind of way. Yeah, yeah. And also, am I tracking that correctly? Have we been planning this for like two months? Uh, that sounds about right, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Because this is something I've been looking forward to for a while. And I was yeah. like, I think sometimes space-time integration is hard. Like, I'm a little bit lost in calendar dates. and Yeah, I, I, pl I plan pretty far ahead. So I've got, um, <laughs> I've got, I've got uh, talks scheduled in from, like, until, like, mid-July or early August at this point. So, uh, you know, we and the thing is, for me, and, you know, we're kind of breaking things a little bit, but that's fine. Um, for, you know, for me... Uh, uh, doing this show is about setting boundaries and I'm, I just don't have a lot of people energy. So I have to do this like one day a week to talk to people. Uh, and it usually burns me out for the rest of the day. Uh, mm -hmm. so I have to, to make sure that it's scheduled once a week to talk to people. So I schedule in advance to kind of just prepare. I get to know people a little bit better. And then by the time we talk, you know, today I, I, 
today I didn't have a lot of people energy, but I'm like, I'm talking to Stephanie Lagana and I talked to Jessica Olbin earlier today. So I was like, these are people I'm comfortable with and I know, so I'm, I'm ready. Let's do this. Yeah. I love that. I don't feel like I have a tremendous amount of people energy and it also changes really dramatically. Like the size of my tank changes mm-hmm. depending on who the person on the other side is. Like if I know they're my people, um, it shifts things. So right. yeah, I, um, I'm a spiritual teacher and I'm a business strategist and I help entrepreneurs grow their businesses and create business models that really align with what feels juicy and delicious for them. Because I think that a lot of people fail at building other people's businesses and there isn't as much structure and strategy out there for helping people define what their business model is right. and what feels really good for them. So. Yeah, yeah, it's like a, a, a different methods for I- identity seeking and helping them realize what their mission is. And it seems in your case, it's through through spiritual teaching. Do you can you um, maybe offer any specificity to what that would mean to someone? Because I think everyone has their own interpretation of what spirituality means. Yeah, totally. It's it's a word that has a lot of luggage. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, for some people, it's like high quality, fabulous luggage, and for other people. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, Well, and let me tell you a little bit about like my entry point into this world. So I didn't grow up in a family that had like some deep thriving connection with religion or spirituality, if you want to use those distinctions. Like there was no dogma, there was no church, and there was also no like table connection Mm -hmm. or daily connection with God. And Um, I really found it after I felt my faith in humanity fall to pieces. I worked for the government supporting the military for 11 years and 11 days. And I had uh, an assignment that I volunteered for in Afghanistan. And Mm -hmm. when I came back, I realized that I didn't have tools to process the experience that I had. And I mean, it's as simple and as complicated as being an empath in a war zone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, yeah yeah there's a lot there uh-huh yeah that that's that's intense from a uh an emotional perceiving perspective uh it sounds like i'm 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 not the best at emotions but uh, <laughs> from what i understand about people i've been speaking to who are you know identify as empaths um it, being in such an intense situation uh uh sounds difficult so at one point during that, did you feel like you needed to uh, uh, kind of dive into uh, the spiritual essence of everything in order to survive that really emotionally? Yeah, it it happened after I came back. I think when I was gone, I just spent the time working. And so I'd begin my day and I was focused on the mission and the work that I needed to do. Right. And I ended my day and there were tiny parts of my day that were oriented towards like fuel, you know, feeding the body, breakfast, lunch, dinner, that kind of thing. But it wasn't in a way that was really connected. It was disassociated tasks like, Oh, right. You know, like this body needs laundry. So I'll do (laughs) (laughs) like it's super, I think of it as kind of the trance of a lot of modern, especially Western society. And, and I was super in it. So I came back and I realized that there was all sorts of things that, that were inside of me that I, I didn't know how to deal with. Um, and at the time I was drinking alcohol. Mm-hmm. And so when I came back from that experience, I was trying to escape it through alcohol and, and there weren't many people that understood what I went through, which didn't help me trying to figure it out. So I very like magically came upon a series of books by this woman who also did and does coach training And so I found myself exploring coach training, even while I was in the midst of like this very um, intense national security career thinking like this, this sounds really interesting. I feel really called to it and I don't know why I'm never going to leave the government. And of course now (laughs) it's 2018 and I've been gone from the government for two years. So yeah. Amazing. Amazing how life kind of changes. I muted my microphone for a second because I was getting distracted by the birds. <laughs> but, uh, uh, um, it's amazing how, what was that? I said it feels more real to have them there. Yeah. You know, we're just like hanging out in some sort of uh, 
uh, I don't know, um, what, what do you call like the nature reserves or something like that? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, we're just hanging out in the park talking. Um, <laughs> um, so, um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's amazing how like life changes. And when you're in one particular moment, you feel like, you know, my life could never be any different than what it is today, or my mindset could not be any different than it was today. And what's interesting about kind of talking about your story, aside from the, the obvious, um, you know, government uh, job aspect of it all, um, is, you know, coming from a, a place that you said that your your upbringing was not really filled with, you know, religion and uh, uh, God connection or anything like that. And that you kind of, you know, grew into that and your life changed as a result of that. Did you feel when you were younger that you wanted some sort of spiritual connection in any kind of way? Or is it, do you feel like it was solely the catalyst of, of dealing with such an intense empathic situation? Yeah, I've, I've tried to suss this out. And I think some of it is kind of challenging. Um, and I want to make sure that I include my caveat that I understand how things connect now, mm -hmm. but none of this made sense while I was living it. <laughs> right. right. All of the dots like form this beautiful tapestry now looking backwards. But while mm -hmm. I was in it, I felt like I was completely falling apart and breaking down. So right. if anybody's in that space where they feel like it's breaking down, there's nothing wrong with the way that they're feeling. It's just in it. You know, it's ridiculous. It feels like a nonsensical melting of the world. <laughs> That's what right. spiritual awakening feels like. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I have some sense of being a child and having strange things happen. Uh -huh. And feel I feel like those tie to seeing too much and, and feeling things that maybe I wasn't supposed to. But, but literally, Christian, like I was, I remember being 13 and thinking to myself, I'll just be an international assassin. I'll just be a spy and I'll kill the bad guys. Uh -huh. And I mean, like, that lasted a long time. I had a job, but I really just wanted to get rid of the bad guys in the world. And I, I like to tell myself that I've like transitioned from working for national security to global global security and wellness um. that's interesting that's a nice way to frame it <laughs> I, I think it's like it's interesting how you, the the connection can be made between the same kind of feeling like you 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 want to uplift the good by eliminating the bad but mm -hmm. it seems like you're more focused on uplift uplifting the good because the bad is just going to keep coming so we might as well make the good stronger yeah, yeah. And I really think there's something just wildly powerful about being able to be with things instead of slicing them off. Right. I don't know if you've experienced this a lot, but I, I feel like if you can sit with things and allow them to happen mm -hmm. rather than reject reality and say like, no, I don't want this or I can't take it. Mm -hmm. There's just something so potent and alchemical that occurs because all of a sudden, like you're there with it. Mm -hmm. um, and because it's there and you see it, it's a part of you as opposed to like, oh, no, like I can't have this. We need to put it in a box, lock it away, or I've got to cut it off. Right. Yeah, you have to allow yourself to experience uh, different things. And I'm sure that manifests in different people in different ways. Um, do you find that when you're working with people, you have to kind of fine tune your your message to, you know, how they uh embrace information or emotions or whatever the case may be. Um, do you find that you have to tune yourself to that? And like, in what kind of ways, if, if so? Yeah, totally. I, I sometimes joke with people that I do a lot of English to English translation. <laughs> I feel like I spend a lot of time taking really complex subjects, making them as simple as possible and then crafting like visual images the metaphors so that way people can relate to them um, right. and I've had a lot of people with really diverse backgrounds that have shown up in my practice I mean they're not diverse in the sense that they speak English they have access to the internet you know there's there's a certain like category that they fit in but right. doing wildly different things with really different skill sets my main focus right now is practice on women and um and helping women who have businesses or want to grow their business. But I've also attracted people because of my ability to speak in 
really simple ways mm -hmm. of all different sorts of backgrounds. Like I, I talked with a wonderful person a few months ago who makes sensors for barns. <laughs> right. It, it doesn't get much different from healers and creatives than like mechanical equipment and software for farms and farming equipment. But yeah, there, there's a lot of translation and I find it to be really juicy because I also experience the energy of people and their business. I, I feel into the energy of, of people's businesses mm -hmm. and, um, and there's just some really juicy things that want to happen. It's a woo wild world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's kind of interesting. Um, I was like, I was, uh, I'll admittedly was like, I guess a little nervous coming into this conversation, but you're such a sweet, gentle person that like, I don't know why I would be scared um, that, you know, I'm not at all a woo person. I'm, I'm, I, I shouldn't say not at all. I, I am in, uh, in a different way. Um, and that's kind of why I wanted to ask the question about like, you know, translating things and connecting to people because um, sometimes it is hard to make those connections. Um, and I find that, you know, Molly and I were just having this conversation uh, yesterday about um, like mysticism and uh, holistic connections and things like that. Whereas I, I feel more in tune with a holistic way of thinking or being when it comes to, um, to, to experiencing it or, or, or thinking about how it affects me and how it feels to me. To me, kind of working through like my superpower of logical processes and connecting people and things, that stuff happens so quickly that it feels like its own version of, of holistic to me. Um, so I, I embrace that aspect of it for me. And she talks about it in, in different ways as well. Um, so what I basically was trying to get to is have you, what kind of uh, uh, difficulties have you experienced in trying to translate that stuff to someone? Because I know for mm -hmm. the way that I feel about, you know, what I just described as my holistic sense of being, it's kind of hard to express that, or sometimes it feels like it gets watered down if you're trying to express it um, to someone else or trying to uh, um, explain it or convey it or try to quote unquote convince someone to be a certain way. And it sounds like the difference with you is like, you're not necessarily trying to convince someone to be a certain way. You're trying to unlock something in someone. Um, yeah. And, and so yeah. It, if, a good image. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, right, exactly. So, yeah. it, so, so if, if that's true, if I'm, if I'm on the right track here, um, you know, what kind of challenges have you faced in trying to help someone, you know, unlock this spiritual part of them through their business practices? Yeah, the, the first really big one that comes to mind, I'm curious what you'll uh, say about this. Sure. The idea that, um, you know, society at large teaches us to locate expertise outside of ourselves, mm -hmm. whether it's, um, you know, medical doctor tends to be a good one. Like you go to see a specialist and they'll let you know what you need to do right. as opposed to that's one line of information that you can take in and digest and have to be like a part of a cohesive landscape where you make the decision because you're in charge of yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and very infrequently, I'll get women that show up that are very uncomfortable with believing what they feel, first mm -hmm. of all, because I believe that the body has a lot of wisdom mm -hmm. and it's not going to lie to you. Um, and also with the idea that you can practice connecting with your own internal wisdom and then use that as a part of the schema through which you make business decisions. Not that there isn't mentorship and like discussion about strategy and that, and that kind of thing, but it can make some women uncomfortable, the idea mm -hmm. of, but there should be one answer <laughs> as <Right>. opposed to <laughs> there's your answer and you're mm -hmm. allowed to trust that or not. And that's a process like connecting with it, hearing it, because even, even the process of, of hearing it can be this like archeological dig because people, I, I think, I think a lot of humans have this. It's not just, <laughs> it's not just, you know, like my part of mm -hmm. North America. Right. Uh, there could be this like dislocation of intuition and wisdom of like, Oh, well, there should be the right answer. Right. That, make, that can make people really uncomfortable. Yeah. It, it's almost like they, they are creating their own like social translation of everything that's going on. It's like you're, you're, you're giving them an explanation or you're giving them uh, um, some insight on, on how to, 
you know, unlock that potential that we're talking about, essentially. Um, and there are a lot of social filters or cognitive filters because not everyone thinks the same. Um, some people are more like, you know, show me the evidence and other people are like, I just know it to be true. Um, so bridging that gap is really hard. Uh, and, and I've, I've been more so with myself embracing the fluidity of life and thinking. And I've always been really good at, 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 self-identity and independence and focusing on my own train of thought. Like I will collect information from the outside world uh, via research or people or discussions or whatever, but I'll ultimately make my own judgment on it. And I've always been really good at that, but I've also gathered that others just aren't. And it's not that they can't become better at that. Um, It just takes, uh, a different tool, a different English to English translation <laughs> uh, uh, to to get them up to speed, um, you know, to, to allow themselves to feel things in a certain way. Because like you said, it's like, it's it's their answer. It's not the answer. And I think it would be helpful for more people to approach life, not even just spiritual life, but but any kind of of, of logic or approach to life or feelings or family connections or work situations or relationships to take more stock in their answer to something as opposed to what is the answer? What is it that I need to do based on the external things? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. With the caveat that intuition is this like central superpower as it relates to yourself Mm -hmm. and the place where, it tends to fall down. My experience, my experience with other people in my world is the place where it tends to fall down is with systems mm-hmm. and with society at large. Mm-hmm. So allowing yourself to leverage intuition and self-awareness and um, all the other bits that go into that and all the other ways that you could refer to it as something that is really prime in your life and then also allowing for other information especially as it relates to systems and other people and society Mm -hmm. because we do we grow up and and there are there are some biases you know that we get taught just a couple yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah and we absorb it and then we might not even realize that there's this programs that are operating inside of us right yeah so it's uh almost identifying those uh dare i say viruses and finding a way to (laughs) turn them into turn them into positive things for you um so uh i'm in i'm still intensely curious about how the spiritual aspect translates into business strategy like more specifically like what kinds of questions or what kind of experience or what kind of process do you go through with someone to, to a, for you to figure out who they are and what they need. Um, and then for them to figure themselves out and what they need. Do you do this through questions? Do you have a process? Do you do something with them on the phone? Do you meet people in person and do um, some sort of, uh, 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 you know, meditation or something like that, like a holistic new age kind of thing, or I'm, yeah. I'm speaking from a complete place of ignorance, by the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I love it. It's, it's exciting. Cause yeah. I love my work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I have um, a three month business building program, which draws people through this process, a framework mm. that I've developed and includes a lot of really juicy guided visualizations. And I help people connect with the soul of their business. But what I believe that makes all of this possible is that everything in life is happening for us. Mm-hmm. We are all here to be fully expressed in some way and every challenge that we meet and every milestone that shows up for us is some marker offers some information when we're ready to look at it because of course like if you're still healing from something it's not a good time to try and figure out like why did this happen it it, that's a bad time for it in my experience right Um, but i believe um in my bones in my blood that we have all come here for a purpose and that everything that happens in our lives Mm -hmm. whether we feel empowered by it um 
or, or excluded by it is, is an opportunity to get a deeper connection with something inside of us that wants to be born through us. And so I work with business owners and I will talk with them mm-hmm. about the major milestones of their life and about what lessons they've learned. Because even if it's not the niche, um, the focus of their business, it normally informs it. So mm. one of the major lessons that I've learned throughout my life is how to trust myself and, and being able to show up and say like, okay, this is what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. I need to trust that. I'm allowed to trust that. Trusting that makes my life better. Right. And as a part of that, my gift in this life is not only seeing other people and feeling into and seeing why they're here, what they came here for and helping them rekindle that fire, but also helping them trust themselves. Um, and my experience is that's the way it works, that people have some sort of like soul level genius that's inside of them, that mm-hmm. each like major milestone, if you look at like the last three really big experiences, transitions that you've gone through, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll be different from the beginning of that to the end of that. And you'll have learned something. Now you have to assume like I do that there's some sort of benevolent force, maybe a divine author that mm-hmm. all of this makes sense, that there is a reason. And I know that that can be a stretch and that's okay. You know, my work isn't for everybody. People have to opt in mm-hmm. to that kind of belief. But I also see that it works really, really powerfully. Mm-hmm. And it also makes me feel better. <laughs> well, I think that's important. <laughs> it's important as a business owner that you're, you know, qualifying in that sense, like that that's a part of the process. Like if you're, yeah, I'm sure you don't want to be dealing with someone that is just like, questioning everything in a way that is hindering the process and you know you want to be able to help people but if they're not willing to help themselves which usually results which usually is is a part of that disconnect um you know you you want to be able to help everyone who's ready to be helped and you don't necessarily you're not in the job of convincing someone to want to be helped (laughs) totally totally you can't solve problems that people don't believe are problems. You can't help people that don't want support, like for real. <laughs> right. Right. Every once in a while I go through another loop of that and get a deeper version of that lesson, but mm-hmm. I'm really solid about that right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, so if you don't mind um, talking a little bit more about your emotional state when you were back in Afghanistan and, and doing all of that kind of work, um, you know, uh, you were saying you were kind of like, you were just really like heavily in it and, you know, uh, um, doing this kind of process, this spiritual uh, process wasn't something that was prevalent at the time. So in terms of emotional states and like you were saying, you were dealing with like such intense empathic feelings uh, during this time, you know, how, how are you handling that uh, healthy or unhealthy (laughs) uh, during the time? Yeah, for me, it was really a combination of um, escapism through work, right? Through um, like choosing to to wear, choosing to put on an identity that was of a different person, right? There's one one story in particular that that reminds me of of emotional state and emotional health. I was getting ready to transition my workload to the person that was replacing me. I was there for six months. And so this person showed up a few days before I was getting ready to leave to learn everything that I was doing and to make sure that, you know, he knew the people that I was coordinating with and that sort of thing. Um, And we were in the lunch hall and the place that I was in in Southern Afghanistan is called Kandahar. And there were rocket attacks in Kandahar um, often. So like, Sometimes it was multiple times a day. Sometimes it was, um, you know, multiple times a week, but it it was often. And one of the things that happened was that there was this really loud alarm because there was a defense system. And when the defense system spotted a rocket, the alarm would go off. And at that point, you were supposed to um, jump onto the ground and put your arms around your head to protect yourself, that kind of thing. And he had been in Iraq and other places. Uh, whereas I had not, I, I'd only been in Afghanistan. Um, so this was five and a half, five and three quarters months into me being there. And while we were eating lunch, surrounded by people, there was a rocket attack and the alarm went off and everyone got on the ground. And I remember getting very slowly 
on the ground and watching him because he had a tick. He was having a really high anxiety response mm-hmm. to the rocket attack. And at the time, I remember thinking, he's really got to get a handle on that. He's not going to last long here. Right. And there was a little voice inside my head that said, this is not the way that we should be responding. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> like, like, this is not a proportional, rational response. To right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think for that, I was kind of, I don't know, I think I was like a suitcase a little bit, if that makes sense. Like, it took me a really long time to unpack everything that happened there. Yeah. And I also spent a good portion of time coming back from that, avoiding it, like diving into more work. Right. And I really feel like the parts of my life where where I've gone through more of the intense experiences have been since I stopped drinking alcohol. Uh, mm-hmm. That was two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went through a really, really intense suicidal depression last spring. I came back from India and gone on this really long spiritual pilgrimage, almost four months, mm-hmm. and had this like intensely mystical, ecstatic experience at this temple. Um, and I asked, like I asked to be a conduit and to just like be the carrier of whatever, you know, like supreme divine energy wanted to happen in the world. Mm. And I got back from India and like three weeks later, everyone that had signed up um, on my waiting list like disappeared. They all had other commitments. And mm. in a span of two months, my business just evaporated. Mm. And that was the, that was the pivot point for me. Mm-hmm. That was when I realized that I needed to integrate like a lot of the skills that I had when I was working for the government into my coaching practice today, mm-hmm. which includes focusing on business. It was like, there was a part of me that wasn't there. You know, the, the no holds bar direct action oriented stuff wasn't there in my, in my old practice, which really like right. focused on spiritual stuff. Um, yeah. So that was a really intense and really like deep, dark time for me because I had identified really strongly, powerfully, mm-hmm. exclusively as a person that made money really easily and right. knew what the fuck was going on for me. <laughs> and, uh, and, and at that point I didn't. You know? right. So like, who am I if I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing? And if I don't know the way, and if I don't have like people lined up to pay me. And, and that's when it really hit the fan. Well, we're 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 all glad that you're still with us, because <laughs> that's a lot to go through. Um, yeah, that is that is that is a lot to um, that's a lot to process and work through. And it seems like it 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 almost seems like kind of a personality shift that had it to ha- that had to happen uh, in some ways. You know, I imagine going into a situation like that you have to have a certain kind of forward thinking mindset or um, uh, mindset in terms of like physical propulsion, like, and going with your gut and uh, uh, just going towards something. And again, you said you had like this mission where you just wanted to end the bad guys. And it seemed like in the midst of that, you had this, this more metaphysical translation or transition rather into this place of like, you know what, maybe this is not the right way to go about it. <laughs> this is a weird uh, uh, shift in, uh, in thinking in life. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, it's the difference in worlds between someone that believes that action can fix everything. So there, right. there's like two parts to that is action is the answer. And also um, there's a problem, things are broken. You know, I I had this really powerful experience at this conference that was about something called acceptance and commitment therapy, which was amazing. Uh The only person who identified as a life coach among like 500 people, like talk about incredible. Um, But the founder, there was two people that were founders there and one of them um, made this comment. He said, what would happen? What would shift in your practice if you allowed your clients to be sunsets instead of mathematical equations? Mm -hmm. And man, I mean to tell you, it just like rocked me. And it's still <laughs> when I go back because I realized like I was always, have always been, and still, I mean, like crops up. I don't think we're ever done. Um, right. 
always the person that was like, yeah, you know, this is broken and this is the way we need to fix it. And if you're not doing that, harump. <laughs> and it, like, it's totally, it's a different way of being in the world. Right. When you can like surrender to what's happening to shift yourself. Mm-hmm. Help the world. Like, it's, it's just, it's vastly different. Yeah, that um, that action oriented um, sort of example you were talking about was what is what I was trying to get at. So thank you for fixing that for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, But yeah, that's basically what I was talking about. It's like, you know, all of this, like, I just need to do something. And it's all living within the physical world of doing something. And uh, it seems you found another another direction, another path to to really get at and a different understanding to really get at what that to really interpret what the younger Steph Lagana was trying to say when she said, I want to get rid of all the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And mm-hmm. now I'm in a place in my life where I can, with a straight face, say, as above, so below. So when mm-hmm. I see something that feels hellacious out in the world, I can also start what action I want to take mm-hmm. to shift it by saying, where am I doing this to myself? Right. And and you know like f-bomb if i don't always have an answer for that like anytime i see something out in the world when i say where am i doing this to myself there's always an answer i'm like man (laughs) (laughs) um do you find yourself you know you were you were talking about the um, and the intense empathic uh aspects of of being in that situation um do do you find that you have difficulties uh tuning that level of empathy especially when it comes to like you know the state of the world in terms of like news and things like that do you temper your do you create boundaries for yourself for like what you absorb um in terms of other people or the news or things like that are you protecting yourself from that sort of stuff because of that empath feeling yeah yeah all the things um totally totally um one really specific um measure (laughs) that I've instituted uh, Mm -hmm. in the past two years is that I don't watch the news ever. Mm -hmm. I read the news um, Mm -hmm. when I choose to take it in. So, and that's like a a maximum of once a week. And I allow myself that um, because that feels like it's what's necessary to conserve my energy to take action out in the world. Right. Watching the news is a completely different experience in my nervous system. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure why, if that's me, like with PTSD, <laughs> I, uh-huh. I don't know. Um, but if you haven't done that, I highly recommend, <laughs> I would recommend just feeling the difference between watching versus reading. I found reading it allows me to be in a space where I'm much more measured. Mm-hmm. Like I can tap into like, what's my responsibility to this? How do I want to Um, shift things from where I'm at and sometimes it's a matter of continuing to connect the dots with the work that I do in the world Mm -hmm. and continuing to create opportunities um, for people like through the conduit of my business Mm -hmm. there's lots of different ways that I can show up but yeah I I'm not a crowd person anymore Mm -hmm. (laughs) some of that I think is the PTSD and I think some of it also is just being really um cognizant in my body of energy other people's energy mm-hmm. and, yeah yeah that's the, the the stuff about the news is really interesting because i'm essentially the same way i prefer to read if i have to <laughs> if i want to uh, i try to avoid it whenever i can um but i will i will either read things or watch it through a comedic lens maybe or through something that's not just like propaganda type of news where you can kind of feel like a subtext of what's being said or something or you know in your case there won't be any unexpected imagery uh that will come and potentially trigger something um you know i i do agree with that i think a lot of people should consider that if they haven't like instead of watching the news to read it and uh that way you can like check a couple sources and it's it just seems healthier for everybody yeah and i i think it also allows you to be more in control of the narrative because mm-hmm. like when I choose to read the news, when I make space, I mean, the news is information that 
somebody else's filtering. So it's important to recognize that there's that inherent bias. It's what right. somebody else has decided important as a selection of things that are going on in the world. Right. Um, but really like tuning into the higher narrative of, you know, like, especially in the past two years, like, okay, if this troubles me, if this bothers me, um, what is it that would be better? Like, what's mm -hmm. the world that I want to create? Right. And then what's my role relative to that? Like, and, and that's something that I've really, <laughs> I feel like I've come to tune into is what's my relationship to balance? Like, especially just being a white woman in the world, like, what does it look like for me to be responsible? Mm -hmm. and, also to be in leadership and I find a lot of it has to do with me taking action at a local level right and empowering especially like other women um the other business owners like point to point and and that feels really good that and supporting organizations that are doing really important work in the world um but yeah boundaries energetic boundaries and emotional boundaries are a big big part of it I'm very clear on no and what no feels like in my body mm -hmm. and being able to say no, whether it's to offers to partner with other people in doing a thing or like to prospective clients um, or even to like, you know, social invitations. Right. And, it, and it's part of, you know, part of boundaries, whether, you know, regardless of the, the context is the consideration of the reality that we're individually living in, uh, in terms of like, if we, if we have this grand vision of how we want the world to be, to think that we can change the world in a certain amount of time or within the constraints, constraints of like a certain path or something like that um, can be damaging, damaging to our, our own mental health and our own ability to perform anything. So looking at like what's possible uh, and, and, you know, that could be something that envelops and grows over time, but, you know, like you're saying, like doing things locally and taking strides in ways that are actually impactful and not necessarily shooting for, uh, uh, you know, world, uh, world peaceful domination <laughs> in a short span of time, you know, keeps things grounded and realistic in a way that doesn't sacrifice the spiritual essence of everything, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, that was one of the ways that I really, I lived when I was in my old career was things are broken mm -hmm. and I have to be the one to fix it. And there's so much, like, there's so many ways that I'm sure I subtly disempowered other people and disenfranchised other people because I felt like that, like healing of the world, fixing of the world was on my shoulders. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just not true. You know, there have been horrible things that have happened over history and they're right. horrible happening now. And also mm -hmm. um, seeing into that and like affixing that as a badge on my coat doesn't help me be any more of like a peaceful ocean of presence and healing um, and aligned action in the world. Like it, it makes it more difficult for me to do the things that I'm called to do in the world. Not, it's not a helper feeling. <laughs> so I've, I've really like, I feel like I put that one in the archives. There's this sci-fi show called warehouse 13. Like I put that one in the warehouse. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's funny. Um, do you, have you found throughout your spiritual learning journey that you've had some, any kind of struggles with uh, your own acceptance of certain things or certain ways of being or certain ways of of approaching uh, a problem or a feeling or an essence of some kind or even some of the practices that maybe you've looked at something and said like that doesn't really I don't what is going on here mm -hmm. um, have you had struggles with 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 adopting that or or there's some things that you're just like obviously that doesn't work for me but this feels better mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going to answer and then you tell me if I got anywhere. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so when I first started on this coaching journey, I was like deep in super secret squirrel land in the government. And mm. one of the things that happened was I made it more comfortable for myself um, by judging other people that were in this coaching space in this space that um, if I had to describe it now, I'd say it's like more woo, like more integrated with the unseen, the less tangible, mystical, you know, people that are using words like psychic and all that kind mm -hmm. of thing. And right. 
I was very dismissive of that and mm -hmm. it took me a while. <laughs> I fell pretty deep <laughs> in right. the grand scheme of things, but mm -hmm. at the beginning, um, I was talking with another person who was a defense contractor who had also come into coaching and he said something like, these, um, these rainbow chargers and unicorn huggers, I just don't know. <laughs> Like that was, that was like the phrase in my head for a while, you know, I'm different from these people and I'm not so sure about this. And, and some of it I think was just being really disconnected from the idea that I could feel things in my body and that mm -hmm. I could feel things outside of the scientific paradigm. Um, and also being really uncomfortable with my emotions and looking for ways that I could continue to keep them at a distance um, so in the very beginning, like all of the woo-woo land was really, um, was not something that I thought was going to work for me. I was like, oh, well, you know, I'll take some of these coaching tools and they'll be really useful. Like, oh, I'm learning more about myself and that's really useful. And I fell pretty quickly. I dove <laughs> pretty quickly into the field. But at the beginning, I was like, okay, this is kind of like, all right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it seems pretty obvious that there would be like a transition, especially since you were, you were such an action, quote unquote, focused person. And, and yeah, it, it's, you know, more of a um, doing things in the tangible real world as it was previously defined. Uh, and, and, you know, that transition is going to be difficult as amazing as the, uh, the woo version of Steph Lagana is. Uh, I'm sure there was like a, there was a cocoon to butterfly stage. And so that stuff's really interesting. For sure. There was a tremendous cocoon. And there, I mean, there were things that I was called to do. And I was like, I don't even know why this is happening. Like, right. <laughs> I had a few different things. I mean, even just signing up for coach training, I remember being on a call with the person who was, who was the, uh, who's coach training program it was mm -hmm. and every single person that was talking had already signed up like the call was specifically for people who were thinking about signing up and all of these people were so excited that mm -hmm. they, after they had signed up they just dialed in anyway <laughs> <laughs> and then there was like one other person and she asked my question god bless her and the question was what happens how do I know the difference between feeling really afraid of doing this because it's not right for me or feeling really afraid because I'm scared to do it, but I need to do it anyway. Right. Um, which is a question that I love. God, <laughs> It's so relevant. <laughs> right. I had an African pygmy hedgehog at one point and I was like, this, like she is emblematic of how I live my life. I'm just afraid of everything and I do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> But the person who was on the other end uh, did this wonderful guided visualization and um, had us like walk on a pool diving board and then like carry the decision with you. And then when you got to the end of the diving board, you opened your eyes inside of your imagination. Right. And either the water was really clear and beautiful and you were just high up and you were scared or it was like filled with sewage and you needed to turn and run the other way. Mm -hmm. And and at the time I did the visualization and the water was clear and I was like, Oh my God, what am I doing? Like, why, why am I going to life coach training? Like I, I struggled with it like for a good, you know, 48 hour period. And I was like, it doesn't matter this is happening. <laughs> right. Well, you've certainly got the life experience to, uh, to, to share with people how to improve themselves. Um, and uh, kind of, I guess one and a half questions to kind of wrap this up. Um, what have you been doing? So you, you kind of explained a lot of these uh, uh, different little journeys that have gone on. Um, I wouldn't even say little. I mean, you went to India. That's pretty cool. Mm. Um, <laughs> India. Whew. I mean, but what are you, what are you doing these days to um, continue to foster that growth? Cause I think we can both agree that it's an ever growing, changing process uh, for for everyone like the second you say that you're done growing it's all over <laughs> so uh, <laughs> what do you do for yourself that you continue to do to grow um, uh, as a spiritual leader yeah yeah um, life is a great school for this <laughs> every uh -huh. day every day I find something new right. um, I love to read and listen to podcasts and also um, just 
to continue to explore the connection between my mind and my heart and my body. And so mm. what that looks like is right now really working on my health and allowing myself to continue to grow um, a stillness practice. Um, I've always been someone who's had a hard time with being in one place. And this new life that I've given birth to asks of me a lot of grounding. Like, right. like whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, as of right now, my Facebook group has a little under 600 women. And it's a lot of energy for me to hold because I'm an energy person. And right practice has like 50 people in it and that's a lot of energy too so um the more that i expand the more inward time that i need mm-hmm. and the more that i'm seen the more time that i need to like tend to my own wellspring right um so yeah cultivating stillness out in nature doing visualizations reading listening to podcasts i don't i don't think i'll ever be done as long as i'm in this body so it's it's definitely on my mind because <sighs> it's easy to say spiritual teacher or at least it is now mm-hmm. <laughs> the first the first can you imagine like i was on the bus and i was in india and somebody asked what i did <laughs> oh somebody asked what i did and we were headed to delhi and i said i'm a spiritual teacher and in india being a spiritual teacher is a different thing right than, than being you know like in north america and okay so now it's easy to say that but it was a process um right. <laughs> there's there's a tremendous responsibility and especially spirituality the way that I think of it, which is the convergence of who we are and what we're made of, but in this world. Like there is an action orientation and there is a practicality to it that I feel like is a part of my calling. Not that I'm solely responsible for, but that is a part of my my particular blend of magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of times it looks like continuing to be really conscious about what are the ways that I'm showing up? What are the signals that I'm sending people? Um, you know, like what are the conversations that I'm choosing to engage in? Mm-hmm. And, and really honoring the fact that, that I'm responsible for being the bridge in, in my practice and for other people, like helping them see what they can create by virtue of doing it myself. Um, so that can look like a lot of vulnerability and a lot of sharing before I'm ready. Um, and on top of all of that, there's like continuous creation because I feel like I'm always gaining new insights and also like sh- expanding the framework that I've built and creating new content to help people really expand their their soul's calling out into the world mm-hmm. that's kind of a lot of information but it's a lot of stillness in nature and a lot of reading. yeah no no that's that's <laughs> yeah. really good i i think um you know uh, it kind of leads into the last question i was going to ask where you know you've you've connected with people through like uh I, I think it was you have like your group is like harry potter focus i think <laughs> am i right in that yeah. sense yeah um, informed there is a high degree of magic (laughs) (laughs) so there's kind of like um you know there's pop culture connections that can be made and and that's another way of translating english to english is through Mm. pop culture and it seems like you're able to convey your message through that um whether it's through pop culture or any other means how can someone who is you know kind of let's let's say a, a a previous Steph Lagana type who is more action oriented and, but is ready to start to get into like a spiritual journey or, or doesn't necessarily have a community yet to connect their, what their direction is. Um, uh, how can someone start that journey? I guess, like what, what would you recommend that they do to, um, to, to foster that those early seeds of growth i guess yeah yeah um so every client that comes into my practice i have them institute something called a spiritual discipline and the idea behind this is there's something that your self does that you don't yet do consistently mm-hmm. and it might be something like sitting <clears throat> in this and just like allowing yourself to kind of be um it could be like going for a walk or hike or um, doing something fun, like coloring in a coloring book. I mean, there mm-hmm. could be lots of different ways that that gets expressed. 
Right. Um, but for people who are seeking, who are noticing the urge to seek, um, what I would encourage those folks to do is to set aside five minutes every single day. And it doesn't have to be a long period of time. And mm -hmm. a part of that is because it's more about the consistent practice of showing up for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, but set aside five minutes every day and do something that allows you to listen to the deepest parts of yourself. And what that does is it strengthens the connection between you and that like peaceful ocean of calm and clarity inside of you. And it also creates space in your world to hear. And one of the things that I found for people who struggle with what they're supposed to do next is that they don't have any space in their life to listen. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, making that space is, is, uh, is pretty imperative for self-tuning, I would say, especially. Yeah, I love that phrase, self-tuning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, you know, I'm kind of exploring um, <clears throat> identity seeking and talking and sharing um, and teaching mm -hmm. through psychology and Myers-Briggs and whatnot, but that kind of involves me getting out of my comfort zone, which is my, my comfort zone is outside of the spiritual realm. So mm -hmm. I'm kind of diving in little by little. Um, I don't ever feel like it's something for me that I could ever completely go into in, in like the way that is uh, similar to yours, you know, with all due respect, it's just, I think it would manifest differently for me, but it's, it's something that I'm also working at learning more about myself so that I can find out what my version of that is. Um, you know, taking time for myself in the ways that speak to me, because again, like we could say things like, um, you know, just like go lay on the grass somewhere, but that's not relaxing for me. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, 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 um, it's, it's, I don't know, it's just different for everyone. And, and that's not meant to, you know, refute what you're saying, by the way. Uh, it, it's, yeah, it's, totally. It's, I, I have some people that need to be in motion. Right. And then they think that the ideal is meditation, like sitting on the bare floor and right. just being in painful silence. And I'm like, no, like you need to find a way to make it work for you. And it doesn't have to be meditation either. I have some folks that really enjoy dancing and mm -hmm. jogging and walking and, you know, even just committing to stretch you know like do some really juicy like expansive exercises in their body at the beginning of the day is what helps them get clear and connect yeah some version of that that speaks to you for me i would love to just listen to you talk for like five minutes because i just feel like <laughs> i just want to be on a lazy river <laughs> drinking a mai tai just staring at the sun listening to steph lagana tell me about spiritual things I need to find a lazy river. Christian, this is a fantastic idea. Thank you for that. I like, like to support myself in the next few weeks. I need to find a lazy river. I love that image. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, um, I think this is a good place to wrap up as any. Um, I, I could keep going asking questions for decades, but um, we've both got life things to get to. But um, <laughs> Uh, uh, give everyone a sense of where they can, you know, for those interested, especially those who want to talk more about Harry Potter and how that connects to everything. <laughs> how can they, how can they get a hold of you and learn more about what you do? Yeah. So um, <clears throat> the two ways to go deeper into my world, I have a Facebook group called Your Sacred Craft, and I also have a podcast also called Your Sacred Craft. Uh, and so folks can show up on either the podcast or the Facebook group and come a little bit closer to me. Um, and of course, I also have a website. I'm at mythicalenterprises.com, which is one of the things that I always struggle to explain. I bought that domain mm -hmm. something like five years before I got trained in coaching. Mm -hmm. I had no idea why I was buying it. I just had that domain in my back pocket for a long time. <laughs> and I just knew something that I was going to do was mm -hmm. going to be legendary. So yeah, those are great places. Your sacred craft. Wonderful. Well, they can hear more of your voice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, speaking real quick tangent, uh, uh, speaking of weird or rather just buying domains on a whim, I used to do that all the time. Mm -hmm. Like my friends and I, we were just like, I don't know, we'd make jokes about stuff. And like, there was one time I bought meatandcheese.com. <laughs> <laughs> I never used it, but it was like the most ridiculous thing. Um, we were, I was at work or something and we were just like, 
we just went on this tangent of like, yeah, we should buy meatandcheese.com and then we could put like just a picture of a guy on it eating a cheese sandwich or something. <laughs> it was it was really dumb. We never did that, but <laughs> uh, but I, I remember I owned it for a few years and like I was just it was just being paid for for some reason. And I looked at my bill and I was just like, why do I still have meatandcheese.com? What is going on in my life? I needed to take five minutes to reflect and realize that that's something I need to change. (laughs) I love that. I I feel like that would be, I'm going to go on a Facebook and post that now. That would be the most amazing thread of like, (laughs) like, like almost like, like naughty Tinder stories, but like naughty domain stories. Like tell me all of your darkest domain secrets. I feel like that would be amazing. Okay. I've got to go do that now. Yeah, yeah, have at it. And uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. So thank you again for being on the show. Uh, this has been great. And um, we'll, we'll catch you next time. Yeah, I so appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to Dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later.